Warning. Please note that this podcast contains strong language and touches on many topics that may not be considered appropriate for a work environment. If you choose to listen to this podcast where you can be overheard, we are not responsible for the consequences of your decision. You've been warned. talk about feminism and I'm not gonna end this sentence in some type of lame pun. I'm shocked. <laughs> no puns? No puns, no remarks about all the demons that I wrestle with or anything of that nature. We are, we all have an X chromosome. My name is Bill. And my name is Noel. Let's get the business out before we introduce our guest, which Brian has been bugging us about ever since he we started the podcast. <laughs> Pretty much. Alright, so Noelle. What we need from you, our beloved listeners, um, besides to have you write us at... Our... Write us at xchromosomepodcast.com Yes, uh, Bill's going to fill in all of the information about the ways to contact us because he's got that and I don't um, so yes contact us there um, find us on Facebook at we all have an X chromosome we're on Twitter at X chromosome pod and we're still not on Instagram because Instagram hates us because we're still banned and I have fought the ban well you're gonna have time to do that now so uh, yeah unfortunately um Let's just say that for a little bit, I'm going to be able to give almost full time to the podcast. Awkwardly full time. Awkwardly full time, but full time. Yes. Um, but on that subject, we also have Patreon where you can throw money at us so that we can keep ranting about feminism into the void and you can be part of our producing team. And we very much appreciate everybody who chucks a couple bucks at us. We love you. We couldn't do this without you. It will literally allow um, Bill to fix his computer, which is great because it's taking him forever to edit stuff. So the sooner we get that fixed, the faster you get us in your ear holes. Yep. I want to give a shout out to uh, Jamie, a.k.a. Blinds and Archer. They recently updated and increased their contrib- monthly contribution. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Loyal from the loyal from the start, and we very much appreciate everything our Patreon subscribers do. We also have a direct PayPal link if you want to just do a one-time, like, say there's a thing you would like to see us do, and you know it'll cost money to make that happen. But mostly the Patreon money way. goes through to help us with things such as paywalls. Oh yeah, there's tons of paywalls. Also, equipment upgrades... Like I said, Bill's currently working on a laptop that sucks super hard. It's not um, made to edit. It's barely made to record. So mm. it's a sad, sad state of affairs, and we would love to be able to get things out 
regularly on time without any concerns and without Bill going insane and having to devote every waking second to producing this podcast because right now he's our um, sound editor. He's our main recording. He's the... I guess the producer of the podcast. So I, I like to say executive director and we're both executive producer. Okay. <laughs> All right. See, here um, I am just the host, but Hey, I, you have, you have just as much say as I do in regards to t- content. So I consider you a producer. I just do all the tech work. <laughs> I, I'm not techie, but I would like to be able to do more research without having to go in the go to my local library because they're usually closed by the time I get done with my day job, and it's real hard to do research on a home computer when you can't access the databases easily. So I'd like to get um, some paywalls taken care of for that for things like newspapers, so we can bring you better stories and um, more complete information instead of having to rely on, Hey, this article in the paper that we read a paragraph and a half of. And one more thing about next month and the podcast set up for June, June is pride month. We're going to be super gay. If this offends you, you probably shouldn't have been listening to the podcast anyway. Go fuck yourself. Yes. Um, <laughs> pretty that, much. We're... That's the best way to say it, go fuck yourself, but we want to hear your stories. We want to get volunteers that might want to come on. So We've please. got a bunch already, but more is better. Please te- tell us your stories about why you need intersectional feminism in your LGBTQ life. What it brings to you, what it allows to happen, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But because I like to be organized, please write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. Yeah, so that we can keep track of things, because we want to make sure nobody gets missed. And we may have to just do a show where we read a bunch of stories, um, if we get a ton of responses. Which I'm okay um, with. I mean, I am also okay with this. But I'm a big fan of making sure that Pride uh, sticks with its roots and is as inclusive as possible. In case you didn't know, because you're not up on it, Stonewall was a riot. We wouldn't have pride without uh, queer black women. Uh, let's recenter shit where it belongs and follow them and support them as much as possible because queer people of color have it so much shittier than any other demographic. I'm really tired of um, reading about murdered queer black women. I really am. I think so. We'll bring I the rage. We all are, but yes, oh, rage in the cage, and we might be able to discuss a little bit of rage. So I want to go through and introduce our guest. Yes, we have a guest this week. Um, er- almost ever since we started the podcast and started asking about possibilities for guests, our I will I will call him the associate producer Brian. Our assistant producer Brian um, has like our link hound, our link hound, um, who is all over our Facebook just like Noel is because he gets, sends us so much stuff. We're like, hey, here just, you go. Yeah, um, he also would be benefiting from that uh, access to things that aren't paywall blocked because he does a lot of research research for me 
um, checking up and making sure our shit is square and right with the Lord. Um, but Brian suggested our guest to us. And our guest is Kate Nix. Am I pronouncing that part right? Yes. All right. Just like the goddess, <laughs> the makeup company. Awesome. Um, so in my research, um, one of the, the you you do everything. You're a, you're a Renaissance woman. Uh, yes, and not just because I've worked at Renaissance Fair since I was a teenager. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, what fairs have you done? Um, I was I grew up at Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. Okay, I think I have um, a relative who's done Penren. Yeah, uh, PA is like it's like the Disney of Renaissance fairs. It's like they have like black top everywhere, and it's like. And there's, like, cups with your face on them and stuff. It's very, like, it's very sanitized. It's th- there's not, like, a ton of nature there. It's a very strange Renaissance fair. It's sort of this, like, uh, this really, tr- like, anachronistic, uh, very, like, primary color McDonald's Playland version of Tudorism. Oh, wow. And I think it really in- influenced who I am as a person. That's... A fascinating description. I don't know how I feel about that. That it's Disneyfied Tudor England. That's yeah, really f- interesting. But yes, I do a little bit of everything. I've been I've been playing music since I was a teenager and costuming since I was a teenager. And uh, I was a burlesque performer from 2008 until 2017. And I used to breathe fire. I. I'm a seamstress who makes primarily wrestling costumes. I learned how to do wrestling. I've done a lot of things and lived a lot of lives. And it means that I've gotten to speak to a lot of interesting people. And I think that's really informed my politics. That's fascinating as fuck. Yep. And basically, I kept on going. And um, you also do a podcast with your husband? I do. He's actually in the room with us right now. We're in our, um, our... Our house has... Uh, two rooms essentially the one where we sleep and the one where we work and we're in the one where we work okay <laughs> that honestly honestly that i that's something that i kept on trying to drive a uh, drive a point home when i was in my last relationship like look i understand the enjoyment of having like all the workspace in the bedroom or whatnot but i'd rather have the bedroom for sleeping and other things yeah, it's the it's the like resting area and the working area because it's also kind of our living room too because it's like I wouldn't necessarily like to have a TV in the bedroom if I had my druthers but um we have like an Xbox in there and stuff so it's like our entertainment. It's also like whenever I have friends over it's essentially our couch too. So we live in a teeny tiny space in Philadelphia that I am trying to like Marie Kondo t- learn to appreciate. Um my <laughs> one of my other um I have another podcast, and she used to live uh, in the Trenton, Philly area, so um, I understand a little bit with that area, too, with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's something in that regard. But, yeah, Noelle, um, basically, from uh, is getting ready to start the major set of her fair circuit until, like, yes. mid-November. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I do Great Lakes and uh, ORF. Oh, okay. So you might know the people I know from Murph then, um, from Michigan Ren Fair. Uh, possibly some of them. I work for Steve Pack. 
I don't know if you've, um, you've pa- uh, I feel like the I feel like the main connector person for all my people at MRF are through Jeff Cass and the Festival of Legends. And I mean, I've, I've also I like I met I know people through like the steampunk scene out there. It's all kind of connected. All this like alter culture thing. It's all like in the same sort of. I mean, like burlesque and wrestling and all of my all of my stuff. It's all kind of in this like. It's not exactly kinky, but it's not exactly children's entertainment. Well, these type of things tend to merge because of various factors. And I'll be honest, most of these communities that are spoken about, like the King community, the Mm -hmm. Redfair community, I personally don't know of, but with all the stories from my friends that are a part of it, same rules apply in many regards. Like, I might not do Redfair, but I understand the cosplay aspect of consent and things of that nature. Oh yeah. It's the same. It's the same. Like it's all like the steampunk people are the cosplay people are the fairy people are the sci-fi people (laughs) are the people who go to PenguinCon are the people. Yeah. Like it's all, I mean, it's all the, it's anybody who would have gone to band camp, you know, like we're just band camp adults. We're just allowed to get drunk and high now. And um, how? What's the swearing situation? Am I allowed to swear? Yes, I've said fuck like twelve times. I like don't hear it anymore because I just don't like. I don't like swearing wise. I don't necessarily. It doesn't even register in my brain as a red flag. Like I don't. I'm completely desensitized. So even if you had said it, I wouldn't have like. I've been like, yeah, you say fuck on this shit. Like it's fine. What one one of the jokes I made about was going to be the last show that the last show was going to be the Guinness Book of World Records for most curse words dropped between Noel and my our previous guests because um, both of them curse a lot. I'm the one that's least likely to curse. I blame my friend Donnie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um. I've been following you mostly on Twitter. What that's where you're more active, or it seems. Yeah, like because you're fuck more, Facebook. More, am I right? Honestly, we're probably more active on Facebook than Twitter. I basically am the one that's running the Twitter, the tweet machine. I call it justifying things that. Oh, might, I'm just justifying things I, that might make me cry. <laughs> here's the thing: is like as a person, I've had an online career for like 15 years now. At this point, right. Um, I've been, I was online as a teenager and I'm producing my music and then it became my burlesque and YouTube stuff. And like, I've been a a content creator for about 15 years. And what was I saying? Wow. Okay. You just went right. Just completely. Oh, why I can't be on Facebook. I nailed it. I'm back into it. And we're in the zone again. When I was on Facebook earlier in the platform, I developed a sort of, I don't know, I, de- I developed kind of a damsel in distress brand. Not necessarily necessarily of my own, I don't know, Volition. I kind of just ended up there accidentally. Yeah, I mean, obviously I made active choices in my life, but at the end of the day, I realized like, wow, is my victimhood the only thing I can offer as a commodity? And Jesus Christ, is that who I am as a person? And I found that it was partially because, because I have, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder when I was 17 and I just struggle a lot with mental health stuff in general. So I'm pretty much always kind of like trying to figure out if any of the behaviors that I have are temp- are potentially indicative of problems. Right. And the Facebook algorithm, the way it is now, it is so focused on uh, reactionary, hyper-emotional responses. Right. And creating a loop of that in order to generate engagement. Yep. 
And it was making me fucking crazy. I, I was like, I, I felt myself playing into these, like, into this role of like woker than thou. I ended up in a woker than thou place. I ended up in a, in this place of like ultimate victimhood. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to the way that I placed my energy in the world. And it was really fucking me up. It was really changing how I viewed people and how I viewed myself. And whilst I just don't find that the Twitter algorithms are as focused on, in, on, on, or as I, or I guess, I don't know, it, it's maybe because there's not as much room to talk. Like you have to go to more effort to say longer points. So it's harder to just go on these spiels that can like hype people up in a way. Like it's less, you're less likely to word vomit for so long that people sort of like get frenzied. I don't know. You have to prepare your word vomit in advance to do the multi-level threads that people copy and paste and put on Facebook. Yeah, it's like if you stopped and read your YouTube comment back, you wouldn't be vomiting such diarrhea onto the internet. Right. So I, I think I found that though I do keep an, a relatively active Facebook page because I'm an artist in 2019 and I'm not stupid and oblivious. Right. Like I'm not going to pretend that being a part of the Zuckerberg machine doesn't benefit me. Right. But I had to like really like re- cut down on my time because of I don't know. It's also an older crowd, which means they're less. less literate to the way that online communication works so there's like less i don't know maybe i'm getting too deep here but i i get i have a lot of um i have a lot of opinions about the internet because as a disabled person i never leave my home so all of my social interaction is via online so because i understand a lot of the conversation everything going through with the online setup um so you say you, you just, I didn't know about the never leaving your home thing, but you don't leave the home for other events and things like that. I know that you re- no. unfortunately you went to um, uh, Texas because of a funeral. I, I, apologize. I, I went to uh, North, Carolina. North Carolina. My my stepfather passed away uh, last month. Yeah. Um, so basically, you work do everything right out of your office and then get picked up or mailed out when you need to get things done and people come to you if they need to get Mm -hmm. things fitted and things of that nature yep i pretty much only leave the house to walk to the corner store or if i'm like a situation where i'm i'm traveling like going out of out of town for something and it's it's like a preparation i have to make sure i have all my meds and all of my supplements and all of my mobility devices and all of that rigmarole of disabled travel which is a disaster, I understand. Yes. Getting on the plane, getting on a plane with m- mobility devices that are like just visible enough to make people know that something's wrong. But when you have an invisible enough illness that they can't really tell what's wrong with you, it's a very judgmental space to navigate, whether or not it's just my anxiety. Because like some of it is actually real, you know? Like some of the judgment is real, but also I'm very anxious. That's another point of us doing this thing. It's trying to go through and break down barriers in regards to even disability and, and almost invisible and almost invisible issues like that. I do uh-huh. remember working with a man that I didn't notice anything was wrong about him or whatnot. 
until we started talking about Halloween costumes. And he mentioned that he went as the lamp from uh, A Christmas Story. Oh, no, I see where this is going. And Oh, that's amazing. And I was like... Oh, what did you do with the what did you do with the other leg? And what he did was he took his leg <laughs> off and showed it to me. And I'm like, yes. dude, you you only have one leg. He goes, hell yeah, I only have one leg. I'm like I didn't even know. He's like, I know because I've been using this like almost all my life, so I'm used to it. <laughs> um, That's fucking um, amazing. My, but the, the, I, I was amazing just so how hard. he went through it. He went through and. Um, I didn't judge him any more about. I didn't judge him about it, but the fact that he went through and hid his disability enough that mm-hmm. most people didn't notice, unless it was one he was as the leg at for a costume party, or two, hey, here's my leg. Can you hold this? I mm-hmm. I expected him to like do in the future. He probably went like was the legless guy in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I could see that. He looked similar mm-hmm. to that, too. <laughs> um, that's how, you know, people who are disabled should be seen. It should be so natural for them to be able to access life that you don't see, that, the, that they don't get othered. Right. Yeah, and that's the... I mean, that's really, like, my... Well, part of the reason why I'm so active online, as I was saying, and why I am so avid with content creation is because I just, I really miss performing live. I used to tour doing music and burlesque. And when my chronic illness kind of like decided to go into hyperspeed, um, I haven't been able really to get out. So it's been really important to me to like, as I was saying, like cultivating safe online spaces for my community and being really aware of how I interact online and being aware of like what my content means as far as like representing who I am as a person. Cause mm-hmm. to me, YouTube is my water cooler. That does make sense. Especially if you aren't able to, especially since if it's your primary means to, get to know what's going on with the world and talk with people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's also another reason why we do the podcast on Discord Live, just to give other people opportunity to hear other people speak live that might not be able to. So um, mm-hmm. someone that, yeah, I, I know I've personally paid to go and see a live podcast performance, but not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. And... and- this, I have uh, crushing social anxiety, so it's never going to happen to this podcast. They they would have to pay us I, the really big that. bucks. <laughs> I am only comfortable if there is a like a microphone and spotlights between me and whoever I'm talking to. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm I'm a person who's more comfortable in a performance role than I am probably in my day to day life for sure. So one of the things that um, I know that you've gotten, you had more than likely had costume experience before that, but what got you to start with the uh, doing the costuming for wrestling? I used to have a wrestling podcast where um, they would talk, my people on my podcast would talk about Chikara all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And especially like with a lot of the, a lot of the inner intergender wrestling that they are able to accomplish because of its family with within its family friendly atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. What got you to start with the full out uh, 
designing for wrestling? Well, I married a pro wrestler, and he's impossible to say no to. Now that's legit. <laughs> I married one of the most strong-willed, independent, creative, talented, and intelligent people I've ever met in my entire life, and it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Essentially what happened was he needed a costume because there was another gear maker who didn't come through. And I've been sewing since I was very small. My grandmother was a quilter and my mom was a theatrical costumer. And I worked in theater costumes when I was a teenager, both uh, making my own costumes as well as working for the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair as the assistant costumer when I was 15. That's and the hardcore shit. Those yes. serious people. I was one of those people that was like, that's not period. That's not period. That I was like, I was one of the historically like you can't wear that pe- here people um and we need you <laughs> yes otherwise everyone would be wearing purple polyester satin bloomers and very but, sad very very sad uh, sweaty yeah so i was i was doing costumes for myself and then uh i was doing costumes for a local theaters and independent theater production as well as my own burlesque costumes and i've worked in sewing jobs because of that like i used to sell sewing machines and i used to work in a bridal shop and using that accumulated knowledge and uh, a lot of youtube searching and crafter.org tutorials um i taught myself how to sew to some extent and then when my husband had the need for the gear i tried to make it and i didn't fail too horribly and then and, oh, and I and it was awful. It was like the worst sewing process I've ever had to go through. Um, I was like literally for two days laying on the ground, screaming, like throwing things. Kind of awful experience. Eventually, it it started being as worth as much money as it was heartache, and it is hovering around there still. That's good. There's always a need for good seamstresses. Yes. We are going to be very helpful once the apocalypse comes because you're going to have nowhere to get your clothes when there's no globalization of trade. Uh, I've Rennies have cultivated a wonderful network of people who are predisposed to help each other. Mm-hmm. And so we will survive. And, you know, the few mundanes that we like will be allowed to continue. Yeah, I don't have any Armageddon skills that I can think of. <laughs> Um, I gotta work on that. Communication <laughs> skill is important, though, because that's the thing is, as we go into the future, one of the reasons that feminism is so important and, and, and not just gender equality, but just being aware of other perspectives mm-hmm. is so important is because we are being given, as we cl- enclose on the apocalypse of information, like we're being given ultimate access to each other. And it's important that we cultivate emotional skill to navigate these new boundaries. And I'm sure the apocalypse will be the same. Being a good communicator is going to be vital to that experience just as much as me being able to sew you shut. Well, I I agree with that. However, in the apocalypse, you're going to still have to work on building up to be able to 
get a good means of communication instead of just going through and possibly doing rousing speeches, which even though I'm a wow. former Toastmaster, I'm not really good at the rousing speeches part. <laughs> um, however, well, it sounds like it sounds like you need to up up your charisma stats before the revolution. Oh, man. oh, uh, 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 oh, that's what he's got me for. He will write the speech. I will read the speech. It'll be fine. We will literally, that's I'm like, look, I'm gonna be uh, basically my job in feminism that I tell that I joke, but it's kind of like true is I will be your white guy if. Yeah. You're not being heard. I will be your white guy and say, "Listen to that person. They are not. They might not be a white, a straight white male, but they are actually. They actually know what they're talking about. I'm just a white guy that doesn't." Isn't um, "I will be your white guy" a George Michael song? I don't know. Where is our research monkey? Research monkey, look this up. That's really the problem that we're butting up against right now. Is one. Hardcore feminists, we have a problem sometimes talking to potential allies because they're using the long language and we're like, ah, you sound like the oppressor, ah! Yeah, and, yeah oh my god, that is so And we get thing. freaked out. We get freaked out. It's a fight-or-flight response because we've had to be up against so many of these fucking conversations that we don't know if you're going to be a benign well-actually or the kind of well-actually that's going to dox us. Yes. And it, it's... No, I. That's why that 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 job of the of the of the white male ally of the white appearing male appealing appearing ally, even if you aren't necessarily identified that, but just appear that way societally, like in either your presentation or your identification personally, like that, it's going to be part of our bridge because that white male ally needs to be needs to be not just the person saying they know what they're talking about, but also like. Even if that it's even if the dog bites you, it just means it's scared. It doesn't mean it's trying to hurt you. And I'm not saying that all feminists are dogs trying to bite you, but I'm saying that enough of us schizophrenic chihuahuas who have been harassed our entire lives, eventually we're going to lash out. And sometimes it's in the wrong places. And we need the white male allies to be like, hey, please don't make a period joke. Be cool, be cool, be cool. Please 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 be cool that person's language might not be and you it's going to be your job to be the translator between us feral femmes and potential allies feral femmes riot girls what's next what are we gonna get next <laughs> I, I, I like this whole right feral girl feral femme riot girl designation uh, yeah because it's like i i, I was talking i'm talking to my I was talking to my husband the other day i was like i'm not a domestic goddess i'm a domestic goblin <laughs> Yeah. Like I like being I like being in my home, but it's not clean. <laughs> <laughs> I like entertaining, but you're gonna be sitting next to some trash. Yeah. Um just the whole mind blowing difference between well actually and well actually I'm going to stalk you is so scary and hard to define. Um, I know the line is like, where are we supposed to look? What are the new signs? And the problem is men aren't given the emotional communication. I'm sorry, this is a general chase and I'm sure someone will find this and come at me somehow. Well, but fuck men, them. 
Uh, as a, I re, and I realize this isn't a space where that necessarily would count, but I just want to put the caveat out there. Should this inevitably be ten context? I'm just, I'm just preparing for when I'm extremely famous in a decade. Yeah. Okay. Um. Hey, if so, what you say on this podcast is brought up in a decade <laughs> because you're extremely fa- famous, if we're not, we'll probably get some more Patreon followers. So that's I'm true. good. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, that the line is so hard to define because we, as the emotional laborers of society so far, have been, we've been, we understand the code that currently exists, right? Like we know what we're looking at when we're looking at the subtext of the world because we've been taught to see it. Men, as a rule, haven't been taught to see the subtext. Even if they're bleeding it, even if they're oozing it out of their fucking pores, they have no idea. They don't know that they seem awkward or creepy or whatever, you know? They don't know the language. And right now, women are essentially saying, like, as they're learning the language, sometimes they're, they're misusing it or, or, you know, like, it's like any language. You misuse it or you misunderstand it. You say a word wrong or whatever. But they haven't been given that language in the first place, to be able to identify how the, the language is going to transform. Like, they don't know what to look for always to see the, pro- to put the problem. You know what I mean? What my what friends of mine call boy looking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's an unfortunate symptom. And, and, and I think that male allies have such a tough time because like you you really are like you're in you're in foreign lands essentially because a lot of times assuming your your parents weren't like the most connected therapist hippies on the planet you have been conditioned to ignore it you've been conditioned to not only ignore the subtext that's around you but also to ignore what what you could be feeling at all and it's like such a uh, it makes everything so foggy and it makes those lines so blurry because women are watching the writing on the wall and a lot of times men are looking at it and they don't see anything in in the first place yeah i understand uh, what you're getting at for example with the election i Mm -hmm. i was like heartbroken just because i knew what was going to happen because of it and we're seeing it now with georgia unfortunately ohio uh so angry. Texas, uh, Missouri, all that. On top of the possible war in Iran and the people separated, children separated from their families on the border. Uh, it's. Yeah, humans with utero- uteruses and those who sympathize isn't a great group to be a part of at the moment. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, I've been having. Because of the because of everybody else's suffering, I've been going through my own vicious cycle of suffering too. Because it's like, yeah, this bad thing happened to me, but it's not as bad as all the, everybody else. And you need to be able I mean, to as, as... you need to be able to realize that while everybody's needs are va- needed, you need to be able to work through what you need to work through to be able to still help everybody else where you can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's kind you have of to a... learn how to, you have to learn how to decode this stuff first. And it's just, that's why I was like the male, the male 
allies are so important right now because you are our are like oh my god what's the name of the decoder ring and translating of yeah the no the decoder ring uh the little orphan annie decoder ring from freaking christmas story like you were talking about earlier like you are our you're our key yeah you're the you're the the thing that we push here here is the thing that will translate what we're saying into something you can understand yes please use whatever the language needs to be in order for men to understand what we're saying because clearly the way we're talking is not having an effect <laughs> and, and the, the sad thing is if m- men just listen 99.9% of what you're saying is plain common I'm going to say common because not everybody speaks English, but whatever their local language is, common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they and men just don't get it. And then you repeat the same exact thing that a woman says. Like, oh, I get it because she, this woman just well, said it's it. Because, <laughs> well, it's because if, if you are told your whole life that the person that you're looking at is an alien. Like you are told from day one that you are something and that person is something else. And you could own that thing. You can own that thing. And you can claim property of that thing. And it is that thing is there to serve you. The one that you have at home is there to serve you. And it's, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's an empathy machine. And it's a, it's a, it's a caregiving robot. And it's that the- thing is a caregiving robot. They there's they can't hear the language because everything it has this dial tone of caregiving robot over top of it, and it it bleeps out anything that we could possibly say. It's a complete. There's like no we're up against, and imp- sometimes an impossible. Like it's so unfortunate even when you see it like in people that you love that you're like watching them struggle with so, in a battle they might not even know they're fighting. Yeah, that's really frustrating. I've got a friend who's so close to getting it. Right? You're, and you're just like, oh my God, you're so... It, but you, Because it's, it's not like I don't sympathize. Because it's the same thing that white people have to deal with with racism. Uh, yeah, it's and the that's same shit. It's that, it's that you, if, if we're told our whole lives that people that aren't the same color as us are different. That they're, that they're not human. Or and they're of the just other, not not human. They're other. The white, particularly straight white male, is the default setting. That's the yeah. Default character. That's the only. That's the only real human person. That's the only one. If I was told that my whole life, I would believe it. Just like the same people that are told their whole lives that like, you can't get an STD the first time you have sex or whatever dumb bullshit. bullshit idea that they use to blind us. I say they meaning no one in particular and us meaning no one in particular. Well, they is very <laughs> particular. They is everyone who benefits from and supports yes. the patri- patriarchy. If this sounds like you... <laughs> Please apply at 1-800-GO-FUCK-YOURSELF. No, no, no. If that sounds like you and you're listening to this podcast, welcome. We're here to help. Please write us yes. at... Right. We all right. Have I'm sorry. Whatever I'm sorry. our website is. We're very welcoming here in the revolution. I, we try mm-hmm. to be, but sometimes 
I, I know that the chocolate chips and the cookies look like Xanax, but it's just your eyes tricking. <laughs> also, they're gluten-free. <laughs> no, that'll scare them off. Just say words gluten-free. Uh, <laughs> um, and those are not snowflake sprinkles on them either. <laughs> no. Um, so, you basically have been doing everything from a young age. Yes. What made you be in Bur? You went. You went. You did theater and burlesque. What got you to going into the theater and bur- bur- burlesque part as from someone at a young age? Well, I don't know if you know, but when women take their clothes off, they get attention. No, <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, being a woman that takes their clothes off is like being an attention factory. And when you have a personality disorder, all you want is attention. So that's why I started becoming a stripper and honestly a performer in general. Um, but genuinely, I, I was using burlesque as a way to understand the context of what I had been told since I was a young age. Like, this is like dark and hard, but listen, welcome to the feminism podcast. It's dark and hard. Um, Phrasing. It when I was yes, I'm not taking it back, and I am talking about my dick. Okay, um, as, long as, we're, as long as we're absolutely clear, and we've gotten all the dick jokes out of the way, yeah, because we're about moving, to get heavy. Let's... Yes, we have to. We got to sprinkle in some dick jokes there. You got to be like, "Hey, strap on!" Hey. before you move forward into there, house stripping, connected to the patriarchy. Just a reminder: there are six warnings at the very beginning of the podcast. Right. <laughs> um, at least the last two podcasts. <laughs> um, so, if they don't understand that this isn't possibly safe talk, yes. All right. So basically, I have been due to the nature of society catcalled and sexualized from an extremely young age. Um, and including my time at the Renaissance fair, being in a place where artists felt like there are no laws is never necessarily a healthy space for a teenager to be because there are people that take advantage of the boundaries of fantasy. I was getting told I was hot and I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know what that power meant. And I understood that I wanted to be an adult woman and I wanted to be a sexy person because I thought that's what would make me valuable. And I used burlesque to learn how to navigate the way I was being objectified. And that's brilliant. I, I used it to understand. And sometimes it got into places that were necessarily healthy. Like though it is not a path that I, I am like ashamed of, I don't necessarily believe that my time in strip clubs and doing being a cam girl were necessarily healthy for me. Like just who I am as a person. It's just not, I'm not meant to be a sex worker in that nature. Um, that is valid and, and legit. Yeah. Like it's, like I said, not like, I'm not like, Oh, I would never not like that. I mean, like, it's just not, it wasn't where I was supposed to be just for my brain and who I am. There were sp- spaces like that, but there were also places where the, ability to be in queer positive spaces and a space and like, especially later in my career being in more um, intersectional and just sex positive spaces helped me develop a pretty decent understanding of who I was as a person. And 
I think I acted necessarily like I, I, I was kind of like a hypersexual teenager. And then I used burlesque as like a way to figure out kind of why I was being like that. And I'm not really a hypersexual person, but it's thanks to my time in burlesque and sex work that I was able to learn things about not only the sex industry, but also myself and the patriarchy and the tools of the patriarchy and how to fight against them. So you took an experience that you found out that you might not be suited for in the long run, but you should actually gain tools to help in the future. Yeah, to learning and growing, it's a thing. <laughs> you said you followed me on Twitter. I don't, I don't know how much I've posted about it recently, but last year I did a music video called Trigger Warning um, w- that is a song about gun control in which I juxtapose images of sex work in the sex industry with the ideas, the legislation behind guns and the lack of legislation and how women are commodified. And it may or may not culminate in me having a cowboy six-shooter as a strap-on. I, I appreciate everything that was just conveyed to me on a <laughs> deeply personal level. I'm thrilled by that. Good, because you're like one of the 600 people who give a shit. Well, it's just such an amazing concept. I don't know how you could not find that fascinating. But yes, it's I though I wouldn't necessarily participate in burlesque as a career or in strip clubs as a career now. Um, I am really appreciative of my time there and... The history of burlesque is so connected to the history of feminism in America and sex in the sex industry is so connected to the history of feminism Mm -hmm. in America that I, I just strippers are truly the patron saints of like, and of femininity to me. Like, I think that the stripper is like the ultimate symbol of female power. And so I wanted to become one and I did. And I know now how to use the paint color that is sexuality, but I don't necessarily want it to be the only color I paint with, if that makes any sense. Yes. It's absolutely, yeah. There's so much more we can do, but we need to understand how sexuality is controlled and channeled and marketed and otherwise um, and utilized. With. And yeah, and hidden from us. And just the narratives that are spoken to us from such a young age that are just impossible to undo. Like the concept of virginity, what the hell is that? Just like, what the fuck? It only matters if you care about things like property management. Right, it's not the thing. It's 100% about the hymen or whatever property. But like, there's not a word for people who aren't virgins anymore. Well, there are, but it's... (laughs) Well, that's the thing is, it's not, but that's not a word for just a person who is not a virgin. That's the, that's a, that's a nature of a spectrum of whether or not you are having sex, of how much sex you are having. I mean, like the, the way that the virginity is like an on and off switch in our society, like there's not the word for the off switch. Welcome to, I use cannabis as my primary painkiller. Welcome to the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I so wish that worked for me. <laughs> so, I'm, but you, you still do costuming for other burlesque performers, or? Yes, I do. I do. Not, not as many anymore, just because burlesque is yet another art form that is, like, 
primarily about bullshitting people into how much you paid for something. Right. Like, so there's a lot of love put into burlesque costumes, but burlesque dancers don't make a ton of money. Right. So it's not like I'm going to charge my buddies like tons of money to make them stuff. Cause I know like burlesque dancing is even less lucrative than stripping and like extremely less lucrative than stripping, which is, ridiculous. I wasn't a very lucrative stripper for, for me. So it's like even less lucrative, but it's cause I was a bad stripper. Uh, it wasn't um, your, it wasn't your art form and you weren't bad at it. It just wasn't your thing. No, I was bad at it. Almost on purpose, guys. <laughs> I would dance to, like, Minnie the Moocher and stuff and, like, Weird Al. Like, I was very much... I was not a good stripper, but I, don't know I had a great time. dancing to Weird Al makes you a bad stripper. It makes you a very I think niche it's... stripper. Yeah. And that's different from being bad. Niche is not necessarily bad. But um, I don't do a ton of burlesque, any, uh, burlesque costumes anymore. They are such a late. But because wrestling is burlesque, but with fighting, people are willing to invest a lot more money in it. So that's why I make wrestling costumes. <laughs> it's a slightly more lucrative labor of love. All right. So let me ask this. <laughs> what, it, what would be uh, one of the weirdest costuming requests that you might have received for wrestling? The weirdest costuming request I ever received, received for wrestling. I'm saying that at you, babe. Oh, uh, past Haribo. Uh, oh, yeah, Seth yeah, Star. yeah. Okay, so one time, so, okay, so the company, the, the candy company Haribo makes gummy bears. Right. They hired me to make three lucha outfits for some of their sales team to wear because they passed a certain sales goal and it was part of their like sales initiative that their managers would wrestle at the company event at a company what? event. What? This is this is hard. Wait. Let me let me let me I got <laughs> I got to come back at this a different way because Listen, what you just, okay, so you I, said a lot of words that don't okay, make sense so together. I, Okay, so it's like, okay, do you guys watch John Mulaney? Now, I don't have on time to pa- unpack all of that. Um, no, but but, just but the- we do. So, okay, so Haribo the Gummy Bear Company. Okay, yeah, I got the Haribo the Gummy Bear Company hired you to make luchador costumes because some people met a sales goal and they yes. were going to wrestle? Yes, so the, the sales is- manager... The sales manager of Haribo was one of the, like, sales directors for Haribo America, Mm -hmm. was, like, a former backyard wrestler. Okay. And as a joke, he was like, if you guys meet this sales goal, this insane sales goal, I'll wrestle these other guys at the next company event. And they did. (laughs) So he got the the gear made. And we, we got, like, special Haribo fabric printed. And we have, there are no photos of it because it was at a private company event. That's sad. You need photos photos for your... Uh... We have the fabric. So it's like, it's not like a, a complete, are you afraid of the dark? Just fade into the mist situation. Like, it's not just like there's dust in my hand. Like, there is evidence that okay. the thing existed. One of my husband's masks is lined in the scraps of the Haribo gear. You had custom... Yes. Haribo fabric made for this. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the surrealism of the entire thing. And it's beautiful, and don't get me wrong. It's amazing. And this is a fantastic it's a, story. It's t- but it's mind-blowing. It is totally insane. It's totally insane. Oh, I also just... 
I made, um, I'm, this is on the top of my head right now because I just won an award for it. I just won an award for the costumes that I did for a wrestling ballet film. Okay. So it was, it was a, it was two ballerinas who did a Lucha Libre inspired burlesque performance in a wrestling ring as like Lucha ballerinas. And that's amazing. My husband did some consulting for it and I made the costumes and I actually just won an award for it. Yeah, I saw you posted the award on Twitter. Yes, I did post the award on Twitter because I am hashtag that bitch. <laughs> Though my friend Co just told me yesterday or the other day that bitch is a tool of the patriarchy and I need to stop using it. I know that they're right, but like But they're not. I haven't but I haven't found a good word that like says the same thing. See, here's the thing. Like some other words. Yeah, like queer. I know. I know that we're like kind of but also Well, I was there's, thinking I some other words. Some yeah. Other words. I guess I, there's just I'm not um I'm I'm still ambivalent. I'm like on the fence. I use it, but I I still have like a pang of guilt in my chest about it, I guess. It's an interesting place to be, such as being a feminist in 2019, where you're like, where is the line? Is that the line? I should know where the line is by now. Why does nobody tell us where the line is? <laughs> why, can't, why can't we trust the people who tell us where the line is? Because 95% of the time, it's white feminist influencers who don't even understand 99% of the story. Why are we applauding? Why are we doing slow clap? Don't make because, it weird. Because what she said, uh, what I see a lot through Twitter mostly is just that. It's a lot of white feminist influencers that don't actually care, don't actually realize that they don't realize that they're not being intersectional. Oh, they don't know the code. Yeah, they, yeah well, they don't know the code. Or they choose they not to know the code. I know the, the, the blatant choosing of the code is like, sometimes I, I, I mean, I know kind of, we have all watched our parents do it in some way or the other is like, whether or not they realize that there's like a blatant choosing of the code as progressive as any parent could be, there's still going to be a moment where we're like, Ugh. and that's, it's probably the most painful experience is watching a loved one just blatantly be like, I'm choosing to believe the code, the, the code. Yeah. Um, it's so complicated because just the not being grounded in the the reality. Yeah, it's like this. It, it, it's there's uh, it's like almost everyone's like willing to play the simulator and like you can see the matrix. It's like we can see the matrix through a glass wall and some people are choosing to be on the other side of it. It's like, a, I mean, when I was in a teenager, I always romanticized the 60s. And now I'm living through my own 60s. And I'm like, I, I was an idiot. I should have let Bob Dylan be. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that blows my mind about the code is now I've seen this in a former gaming group I was a part of. I'm not naming any names, but we all know which one it is. Um, that there are some feminists and i'm using the term loosely 
I heard the air quotes. They appeared in front of my eyes like a cartoon. Okay. Because I, <laughs> I was like going to do them and then I stopped and I fo deliberately folded my hands because I'm like, I, nah. they're trying really hard. But again, like my one friend, they're so close and they don't get it. Like um, one of my big fucking hills that I'm going to die on and I will take as many people with me as possible. Um is consent based role play and i i was using language that somebody was extremely uncomfortable with and they're like blah 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 blah, blah and you're equating these two things and then no but yes i am and here's why um role play whether it is in the bedroom or in the basement of a church or the woods or wherever the fucking wherever the fuck you play pretend it is a consent-based thing you cannot engage without both people enthusiastically being involved i mean and also it's isn't the point like isn't like uh, i mean i watch a lot i'm not a larper but i am adjacent to larpers and i watch a lot of larp youtube it isn't the like the nature of larp and what makes it such a valuable tool for and a valuable emotional processing tool is that it's an allegory for the world we want to live in or the the way that we see things as so that we're able to work through these emotional changes we're able to play act them so that if we meet them in real life we'll be able to slay those fucking dragons like yes th that's the point so why wouldn't you invite consent into that space you you have to in order to teach about the world you want to live in we need to be able to be realistic about boundaries the, the having of boundaries doesn't make you a bad person. And I don't know at what point in time that narrative developed in our society, but it's really strong. That's the thing about certain LARPers and certain organizations. They don't read about the idea of the boundaries of consent. Uh, emotional, mental, and things of that nature. They might see no physical contact, but they will do everything else in their power to try to go off and cripple you just because it's not, quote-unquote, really you. It's a character. It's not really them, but a character. Not realizing oh, then, oh, that the, the trauma fuckers. that a, a person goes through while running a character can feel like real trauma or is real or, trauma and can mirror real trauma that i mean it's not even about through. necessarily the reality of the trauma it's about the fact that whether or not certain aspects of your brain might understand that you went you went through an emotional situation in a play acting setting your body doesn't your body doesn't know. They don't. And your body is going to bring, and your body, including the, the supercomputer that runs it, is going to be flashing chemicals through there based on the thing that happened that it believes that it that happened. That's 90% of my chronic pain is my anxiety enacting my worst fears through my nerve system. Mm -hmm. I know it is. And that's the thing is like, you can't tell the meat sack part of your brain that you didn't really get in a fight with someone or whatever. You no. can't undo that experience. And that's the reason why people don't understand, like when you tell kids, oh, I'm just pretending, they don't, they, that 
that's such a complex thing. It's so complex. A lot of adults don't understand it. Yeah. And then when you come into a group and you, you say, I have had an experience and this experience that I'm having in character is mirroring a reality and then they blow you off. That's like, it's like, no, I, I need to do X, Y, Z so that I can keep this thing that you want me to keep work with me. And then they don't work with you. Yeah. Because they just don't, it's not, there's such a little, very few people are versed in that level of emotional communication and connection. I mean, I only find that people have that level of understanding of their reality if they have mental health problems or if they have a loved one with mental health problems, because then you're introduced to those tools, whether you like it or not. You have to use them because if you don't use them, you're going to cut yourself or someone else. And it's just not common knowledge. It's just not commonly taught emotional skill. At least not in our generation. Just out of curiosity, what is your generation? I'm 28. Oh, you're a baby. <laughs> because it, because there's many similarities with the Gen X and the Millennials that sometimes... Oh yeah, my brothers are in their 40s. <laughs> my, my, my brothers are... Um, my, well, my one brother just turned 50. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, I forgot how old. Oh, hey. Your, um, bro- your one brother is just slightly younger than my husband. Yeah. So my brothers are 50 and 48. So I've been treated like, like all of their pop culture knowledge went to me. Like it was like it skipped a generation. Like I grew up with their toys and stuff. Right. So I'm, mm-hmm. I have always hung out with their friends and I didn't really have a lot of friends my age when I was a kid. I had a lot of adult friends who played d And that's okay. Um. But when I say our generation, I mean anyone younger than a baby boomer. <laughs> I mean, that's legit. <laughs> because it's the people that are going to go into the future just being realistic. My mom is almost 70 years old. She's not thinking about 45 years down the line. She's just not. She can't. Like, that's so far away. That's, and that's the thing is like, when that's what I mean is in our generation. I mean, people who are currently like willing to talk to a computer who understand the way communication is working at the level that it is right now who Mm -hmm. who people who are living in the cultural zeitgeist that is the difference and the constant transformation of communication yeah i've noticed just with being 12 years younger than my husband that there's some overlap and then there's some glaring differences like Facebook yeah, is it's like a there's like a big hole. And sometimes I, I look at my 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 family members who are I don't know, who are in their fifties and sixties, and I'm like, how are you just how did they just not teach you this? Like how are you just not thinking about it? This mm-hmm. is <laughs> like where is the can we can we just agree that there's a problem? Oh no, not even that. Perfect. Lovely. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Yeah. Uh, it's the... Uh, Facebook. The code. It's- yeah, the code. And my husband is learning. It's astonishing. Um, I was flipping through my Facebook memories, and a year ago, the Somerset 
uh, early access must have kicked in because I had to post um, about the fact that my husband had been up all night with his chronic pain and therefore doing quests Mm -hmm. um, and fucking around in Tamriel. And he says to me, I've had something like I've had that that's I've that's too much toxic masculinity and it's only Monday. And it was just one quest line. And when we had started dating, it wouldn't have occurred to him to read the quest coded the way in that way. Um, Yeah. No, I totally understand that because my um, well, my husband is like, as, as I said, a pro wrestler and. Given that he's a pro wrestler, there is a very real culture of toxic masculinity in that space, like just yes. the nature. And it's like, and he lives and breathes it. And now as we're both like learning about what society looks like and what it's looking like as it moves into the future, mm-hmm. um, he too is like sort of waking up to this, realizing what the, what, what is happening around him. I, I completely, I completely understand that feeling of like, it's there are things my, my husband has said within the past year that I'm like, like, I'm so happy that I married you, but also I don't think I married you. <laughs> well, I see it as you know, <laughs> I my husband is leveling up. Yeah, um, every time he discovers a new thing or gra- or grasps a new concept that he didn't before, he's you know, leveled up in a way in his own life and it's great. Um, my Facebook contained the the comment that, you know, he's come a really long way for someone who was a nihilistic ex-himbo when we met. Mm-hmm. And he has. He was bordering on misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Okay, he is also in the office and he is correcting me and he's saying he was he was misogynistic when we met. So to be where he is now is such a difference. Yeah, my and, husband was right out of the Air Force when we met. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll do some shit to you. Yeah, right was, it was Force. a. Yeah, I've heard bad things was. about the military and having you know a soul. Well, I mean, that's the thing is because men are not given the same level of emotional communication. They're not taught about the code from an early age. It's way easier to trick them. You put enough like images of bombs over Baghdad or whatever to that song that, or you play "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" while showing whatever the hell. Like it'll be enough to spur some jingoism, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, any kind of music that will, they, we use it all the time, and I, I mean, knowing what it's for doesn't mean it doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. I am a sports fan. And so I am yes. not going to lie. I'm a huge college sports fan. I love my Buckeyes, and they are amazing. Um, Ohio against the world. And I have reactions. I'm also a big hockey fan, and I love I love my jackets. And we got fucking robbed by shitty ice in Boston. Um, and also a bad call. But that's a separate rant. Um, I know exactly why they play what they play. I can't listen to the intro to Hell's Bells without getting slightly amped up. And that is yeah. slow. But we use it, the The team uses it in the stadium experience um, as they're, they're walking out and then they 
they like all gather in the end zone and they they mm-hmm. they do this swaying thing. It's just this big. It's the theatric. Thing. Yeah, and the it's theatrics the, will sucker the, us every time. Yeah, because there's a reason. Like, because that's. I mean, well, that's what church used to be, and now church isn't really like that anymore. Church is like this place where you go to get your ass handed to you, I guess, by God. It's boring. So now that church isn't fun, um, and the fun people don't go to church, and that is the way, unfortunately, that it, it is. I mean, we have these things that take up the same place that church took up when we didn't have as many different types of communication and entertainment. When the church was about having an emotional experience together, I mean, that's what paganism was rooted in was that mm-hmm. emotional journey together is what spellcraft is yes and that sports experience the gladiatorial experience is a vital part of culture especially right now it's why i will like fight to the death to defend wrestling because i am not a sports fan it is too close to math for me to like it i'm like why do i have to know so many numbers in order for this fun to happen it makes it's very confusing for me well, and I, sometimes the numbers don't come into it for me. I, I, I just have like, I come from a family that's like very anal retentive. So like sports has always been connected to numbers. Oh, um, they like stats. Yeah. So now, I mean, they're D and D players. So like I mean, they play sports the same way. Like it's that same kind of. Yeah. Like, how I about mean, fantasy I, sports? Yeah. Not fantasy sports, but like they would like view. It's the same kind of viewing experience. It's just my family. It's the reason why I do so many things and I'm such a perfectionist. It's because it, like, it has to be, we have to find the most efficient. What is the way? Um, so the, I, I also just, best like, goals. yeah, like finding that kind of thing. It, it's, it's like the makers in us, like the engineers in us. We have to find like the, the secret special way to do the thing to make it the most efficient so i'm not a sports person the closest i get to sports is watching people play dungeons and dragons on twitch um which i like to call theater sports uh, or competitive cooking television i will that's oh, like yeah. i guess that like an athletic competition but wrestling is my see is my sports wrestling is my it's my sports entertainment Copyright Vince McMahon, please go fuck yourself. Your whole family's trash. A friend of mine, um, my friend Donnie just recently <laughs> said that he suspended his Twitter account. And the first thing I went up and said, like, yes, but before you suspended Twitter, did you punch Vince in the dick? And, <laughs> and he said he did say if he did or not, but we're assuming no. <laughs> but um if you're not punching Vince McMahon, are you even alive? That's true. Um, I feel like he feels that way as well. Uh, what, that, the, that Vince McMahon but, should be punched? No, I think Vince McMahon feels like if you aren't punching Vince, Vince McMahon, are you even alive? Um, <laughs> uh, that's fair. Um, because that's who you give the biggest pop to. I mean, that's the guy who you're trying to really put over. If, if, you let, if, if Vince McMahon lets a dude punch him on television... That's essentially like you kissing the ring. <clears throat> yeah. Um, welcome to wrestling. Uh, it's a perfect and also the worst. <laughs> but wrestling is my, it's my gladiators. It is my way that it, it is a story being told through combat. And that's mm-hmm. like the only, the only way I can get close to a situation where I would watch people do like actual 
athletic thing. I get like American Ninja Warrior, I guess is technically, that's also a narrative. So like, yeah, I can't do it without the narrative. Um, but it's that crowd experience together. We're all saying the same thing at the same time. There is a, like you're, you're in the know and you let other people kind of in the know when it comes to like chants and responses or ways you interact with a certain wrestler, like going to high five them or booing them. Mm -hmm. And it's this, it's this ritual. It's a ritualistic experience and having so many people, you can feel the energy difference. The reason you would go to see a band live versus listening to them on CD. And that's our, that's religion these days. The same with burlesque shows. Burlesque is another type of religion. It was my religion for a good I think it might still be. I think burlesque is my religion and as such should remain a private practice. But it's that wanting of community, of kinship, of of sharing a story as it happens, of this watching of things unfold, of unpackaging a mystery together. It's it's a primal important experience that we need to have as we learn how to build communities as the world changes. Yeah. Sports and wrestling and all of it, it's all extremely important mm-hmm. and one of the the things that i have some of the the code that i have been using when i deal with people who are very shut up and dribble shut up and play when mm-hmm. um again i'm from ohio i grew up in akron uh lebron james is roughly the same age as my little brother so you know we were all moving about the region at roughly the same time I may have seen him at the mall. You know, that's the kind mm-hmm. of that. That's just how Akron is. But mm-hmm. LeBron James is a huge activist, and he's one of the most powerful people in sports right now, if not the country. Um, I read an article where he convinced the, uh, I think it was the, it, Phil Knight. He was talking to. Um, they were talking about the young men in their lives. Um, learning to drive and lebron is worried about his son getting shot and Mm -hmm. i think it was phil knight is only worried about his grandsons because that's the age difference getting a speeding ticket or dying in a car crash those are the things and the difference is why they went with the kaepernick why they 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 jumped on that and they pushed that and they did what they did and that's such uh, I, I get so disappointed by the narrative surrounding sports players. I, I'm because those those these connection points are so important. Like as we were talking before about like building allyship, mm-hmm. like these these spaces that are primarily that are still such a boys club that are that are the boys club. Sports and wrestling are the boys clubs. Like they are important places for feminism and intersectional feminism mm-hmm. and like statements of racial equality and things like that to exist because you are the ones who need to hear it the most. Yes. <laughs> like that, of course he protested at the fricking why? Cause wouldn't you like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if you could go black all the, the time. Like if you could go to the ticket to under a white man, seeing a thing and not being able to not see it factory and buy the like of course i would duh like duh i would state my message at the white boy factory yes Uh, but we're not allowed to go talk where 
the the racism factories are. They don't want us. They're the ones who say shut up and dribble. Uh, just shut up and play. Exactly. Stop kneeling. And that's and Stop that's existing where we have to look at you. It's like, it's no, the, that's the it's point. The, Please don't make me see the code. I don't want to see it. Please, please, please plug me back into the matrix. Just plug me back in. You're literally like in the goo, like just struggling to hold yourself under while every, all of your stuff is unplugged. That's what that person is doing. Yeah. Um, this, just the- holding yourself under the goo, drowning yourself in the matrix goo. That's such a horrifying image, but it's so accurate that it's just the if you would listen to them outside if you would listen to them in the streets if you would listen to them on the news on the steps of city hall on all of the places but you don't so they gotta go to your freaking pretend war to your play war that we are all very fortunate to have because it means that we're not watching people. I know, I guess we are watching people actively shoot each other. So like, what are sports for at this? If we can just watch that all the time in real time. Thanks America. Well, see such a, (laughs) we've taken away the, the the intersectional feminism has taken away and and the the demands for racial equality have taken away that sanctuary yeah for white men Thanks. to fight proxy wars with people that aren't really people because the the toys the toy soldiers mm-hmm. are demanding things like recompense for the concussions they're yeah suffering they're reminding they're like wait a minute wait a minute we're not the dummies you think we are. I realize that you just let us have concussions so that we don't figure out you're mistreating us. But we shouldn't have this many concussions. <laughs> we shouldn't have this and you lied and you need to take care of that shit. Man lying for his own benefit? Are you sure? Um I'm going to bring up another you... podcast for a hot second because it feeds into this. Um, I'm ver- a big fan of crime in sports. They do a lot of, of wrestling and MMA. You might enjoy it because it's mostly crime and not so much sports. <laughs> so they don't, you know, they talk about the sports career of these athletes who then do crime. Um, but there's a, over the, the course of all of the, the podcasts, two things have stood out. One, Sports with head trauma feature more in the podcast because uh, repeated concussions apparently turn you um, into reckless into reckless people who tend to behave criminally. Um, what do you mean? I don't understand. What do you, if you hit the sensitive thing covered in nerves, rattling around in a bone jar that gives us all our feelings against hard stuff a bunch? Are you telling me that the delicate neurons are in somehow damaged irreparably in some way? Uh, yeah. Because, like, they don't form new neural pathways because they aren't given any emotional skills to do that. And you, like, rob them of their brain's elasticity by not letting them get the proper care? It, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean brains break? <laughs> yeah. So then so we have the, the hockey, the football, wrestling, the wrestling. MMA. Um, all those sports, uh, they do Literally. violent crime. 
uh, baseball yeah. and cricket and things that are less head trauma connected. Those fuckers do the gross sex crimes and the white collar crime. Yeah, that's just crime from from white people being terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it's, just statistically gonna happen given how many white dudes are pedophiles. It's just it, it's a power balance. <laughs> It's a cognitive thing. If you have yeah, yeah. the knowledge of what a powerful figure you are, because you're a sports star, and you can ha- mm-hmm. and you can hang on to your think long enough for that to right. be criminal for you to like yeah yeah I totally get rare. Then you do stealthy crimes. If you have a lot of head trauma, you do drugs and you do dumb crimes that are violent because you've lost your impulse control. Yeah, you murder your family and then kill yourself because of the Bible. And that's that's a thing. That's also a thing. But the other thing that has come up um, through it is the term silver-haired middle-aged white man. And Vince McMahon is one of those because we've referenced him earlier that you know you don't have to be old enough to have gray hair but they're the people who benefit from the labor and the pain and the repeated brain trauma and the not taking care of the athletes Mm -hmm. they're the the silver haired middle aged white man is the is the puppet master they're the ones who are the most angry when the puppets remind the viewers that they're people yeah yeah and like not seeing them not seeing that our favorite football players you know my football team is mostly black all the time and we need to acknowledge that they're black every day they're only football players only in quotes Mm-hmm. They're only football players on Saturday. Let's. I want to go through and give an example of this. All right. Green and wild an asshole is an asshole. It's. I think there's a kind of a double standard here. Um, Ezekiel Elliott uh, recently was handcuffed. Um, basically, when he was getting into a non-physical altercation with his girlfriend, but he was like blocking her from moving and getting past him, and. If he was a white guy, the security guard would have probably ignored it. Of course he would have. Even yeah. though it's still asshole-ish behavior, but because Ezekiel Elliott is a black guy, oh, something's going on. I have to go through and stop this. Well, also, I mean, he's already been in the news for possibly being violent. Um, oh, so then, there's that much of us. That's and that's the thing is like it's just. And then Greg, ugh. and then there's the other layer where when you're making a ton of money for the NFL, and you knock a woman the fuck out on camera for God mm-hmm. and everyone to see. Um, thank you TMZ for acquiring that footage for us. Um. They give you two games, and then they're like, yeah, that's good, right? It's good, right? We punished him enough, Ray Rice. No. Well, in, in Ray Rice's case, he hasn't gotten a job. Uh, um, but uh, <laughs> yes, they originally gave him two games, and then they're like, 
Yeah, people don't like that. Let's go through and actually give them something that um, hurts. Uh, um, but yeah, but it's like um, the Giants kicker, and I'm saying this as a Giants fan. He got like a one-game suspension for admitting to beating his wife. Yeah, see, and then the NFL is like, but we care about women's issues. No, you fucking don't. Don't piss in my ear and tell me it's raining. That's, there's, I mean, they care about women's issues and that they know that there are people that it affects their bottom line. So, like, it's not technically a lie, but it's definitely not the truth. Um, I don't know how y'all how long y'all normally record, but I have to go make some wrestling gear. And that's not a problem. <laughs> we go through and wrap this up because we usually just let it go until we, it goes. But uh, yeah. Uh, so but um, we have to have you back because this has yes. been amazing. Absolutely. Maybe when I have something more to promote than just my YouTube channel. <laughs> some, well, I mean, but I will say. Send me the link to the YouTube channel so I can make sure that that's put on our show notes. You can just go to YouTube.com slash Kate Nix. All right. You can also buy my music at KateNix.com slash music or join my Patreon at KateNix.com slash join. My name is spelled like Kate, like Kate, and Nix, like Nix, N-Y-X. Mm. Not a problem. I will go through and add those to the show notes. So, with that being said, we want to thank Kate for being with us today. Um, yes, you've been amazing. It's been a it's been a fun ride. Um, visit us on our website at, at www.xchromosomepodcast.com. All of our links are there to social media, to Patreon, to donate links through PayPal, and everything like that. And again, once again, next month, while we're going to probably be able to fit a Rage episode in between, next month is going to be Pride Month. So we're going to get hella gay. Yes. Write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. My name is Bill. And I'm Noelle. And we need to kick out the bot. And go the fuck away, Craig. We hate you. Go, Craig. Where's the bot? Get out. This is how we end every podcast. Oh my god, Craig, goodbye. (laughs) See, this is what we're talking about. Sometimes they just don't know when to leave.